0: you're listening to the paradox church podcast paradox church is a jesus-centered community where our motto is come as you are no perfect people allowed for more information about our service times location and to get connected with us please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com we hope you enjoy this message To be here with you all this morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox, and um, oh, yeah, really, really good. We are in this series called Dreams, and last week I warned you, slash promised you about what we were going to be talking about this week, and uh, you came back. So give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> That's good. Right? Some people are new here. They're like, oh man, what did I just walk into. Listen, today we're, we try not to hold back, uh, we try not to pull any punches here at Paradox and just come, come at you real uh, and honest about real stuff. And when it comes to money, man, that can be one of the most real things. So, every word that we just spoke here is absolutely true. If you're new, if you're checking out Jesus, relax. Like, we are not here about trying to get your money. In fact, that's why we just took the offering, so that there would be absolutely no manipulation, right? That you wouldn't be feeling all emotional or anything at the end. No, that's not what we're about. We know that we have a God who gives um, and who loves us and wants good things for us, but he also teaches us that his ways, the ways of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, are full of life. And that's why we're going to talk about some of the real rubber-hits-the-road stuff here this morning, right? Now, when it comes to money, uh, you may be a lot like me, I'm maybe you would say thrifty uh, Others may say downright cheap All right <laughs> I, I am very very thrifty In fact uh, I strongly prefer You will never see my image on the preachers with sneakers uh, deal That goes around the internet This is all like wow look at that preacher with the $600 sneakers No bro like my, my gig is Salvation Army Anybody with me? Yes, I'm there. In fact, so much so, like I actually enjoy this. I have taught my kids that this is like a treasure place, We're like just waiting for us to go in and, and, and find the treasures. Uh, I am so used to these prices, though, that I now, if, if I go even to the Old Navy clearance rack, I'm like, oh my God, who can pay these prices? You know, like that's where I'm at with all of this stuff. And so especially when somebody, a pastor, you know, like, man, there have been abuses by many churches uh, in the past. So for a pastor to get up here and say, we're going to talk about money, um, and it, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but there's a nervous twitch in my soul. Let me just put it that way, okay? It's, it can be a rough thing to, to talk about, it can be a tough topic to breach. Uh, whenever somebody talks about money there's this part of me that gets a little skeptical and wonders, all right, what's the motive behind this, right? Uh, I, I come across this with financial advisor type people. If you're a financial advisor in here, I'm sorry. I'm sure that you're a wonderful person. Uh, but usually you lead with something like, hey, I'd love to sit down with you and uh, see how I can help you with your money. I'm like, oh, you want to help me? No, I think you want to help you to my money. That's what you want to do. He's like, you don't want to help me with my money. So again, I'm sorry if you're a fi- that guy's a financial advisor. I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. Uh, <laughs> right now, I, I know that there's people that want to actually help us, uh, but there's something inside all of us that when it comes to money, we want it to stay our money, right? Give money away? No, there's something in our DNA that says, no, we naturally want to keep a tight grip on money and possessions. But, but, what if we're missing the point? That's the big question that I wanna ask here today. What if, especially when it comes to this important area, what if we are missing the point? This year in 2020, one of the things that I'm after for our family is that I would like to be a board game family. Any other board game families out there? A couple of you, right? Uh, When I shared that with with my kids, they said, we're really more of a screen family. I said, that's, ex- that's exactly the point right there. So we're after a board game family this year. Uh, but see, I like, I like the, board, the kind of board games that aren't really all that fun, all right? I like the board games that take a really long time to play. There's not a lot of social interaction. Like, you just have to sit there and look. And, and at the end of it, no one is really even friends anymore because you have absolutely crushed the competition. Games like Monopoly, right? Or um, I'm learning Settlers of Catan, or just Settlers, or Catan, is it now? I don't know, they, they changed now. Uh, but Ticket to Ride, right? This is, this is my current jam. I'm loving some Ticket to Ride. But I found something about myself in all of these games. Uh, and, and it's this. I get distracted by the red herrings in the game, right? Especially in Ticket to Ride. Like, there is this one little ticket, and it's, it's the longest track, right? Now, the point of the game, does anyone want to remind me of the point of this in any game? I'll give you a hint. It's to win, okay? No, it's not to have fun. have fun? (laughs) That didn't even register in my mind. The point of the game is to win, okay? (laughs) Wow, different perspectives coming together here at church today. Um, The point of the game to me anyway is to win. Now, some of you are like, this is exactly why I don't want to play with Dave, Uh, but I get so distracted By these little things where, like, oh, okay, I really want to win that thing. I want to get the longest track. Now, the truth, especially in Ticket to Ride, is that this little piece, this ticket, is worth about 10 points. And you need, like, hundreds to win. But I get so focused on that one thing that I actually lose track of the bigger thing, the bigger purpose. And this one small victory actually becomes the entire point even more so than victory itself. And that's the way that a lot of us live our lives. We chase after red herrings in life, and the sad part is we often don't realize it until it's too late. Because it's one thing in a board game, but it's another thing when it comes to our lives. We only get one of them. There's not another game night that's going to happen. We get one life, one chance to invest it, one chance to go after what really matters. And man, I do not want to go after the red herrings of life where I invest my time, my resources, my energy, and realize that I didn't do it in the best way until it's too late. Sometimes, especially as we've been talking about our dreams, these big things that God puts on our heart, in our efforts to live the dream, we end up missing out on the point, the dream itself. We miss out on a God who blesses beyond our wildest dreams. We try to live the dream, but we have a God who blesses beyond our wildest dreams because there is a dream that God has for every one of us. He is a dream for our church. He is a dream for the world, and we get to play a part in it, but so many times we get caught up in the red herrings. We lose sight. We lose perspective. We value other things more, and in our efforts to live the dream, we miss out on the, on the impact that we could have on the world we miss out on the impact that we could have on other people seeing lives change actually being generous which is something that is inside every single one of us I do not believe there's a single person here today that would say no I actually do not want to be generous No, that's inside of us it is a dream God has given us but it's a hard thing to do and when we don't do that when we lose sight we miss out on impact on lives being changed we miss the joy that actually comes with it Feels good. And we also live in fear, chasing after something that just seems to always elude us, doesn't it? Lee? And Jesus doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for us. Jesus actually talked about money more than anything. Crazy for a dude that didn't have a penny to his name. Crazy for a guy that's not investing in a house down by. The ocean, or anything like that. No, Jesus talked about this, and he says that his ways, his teachings, his lifestyle would actually lead us to life and life to the full. But dreams are rarely realized apart from investment, and that's where I want to go today. If you're following along in the Uversion app, you can download that from the App Store or Google Play. Um, go to Uversion, click on events, and you'll find Paradox Church, and you can follow along there. Maybe you brought your Bible and you want to follow along there as well. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12 today because there are two ways, two people, um, two lifestyles. One of these lifestyles, Jesus actually comes straight out and says, is pretty foolish. The other, he says, will actually lead to fulfillment in your life. Now, I don't want to be the fool. I want fulfillment. I think that's why you're here too. We don't want to be fools. We don't want to live our lives foolish. We don't want to chase after the red herrings of life. We want what God wants for us, and that is fulfillment. So in Luke 12, starting verse, with verse 13, Jesus tells us a story, and it goes a little something like this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Man, did the worst in people really always seem to come out, especially when it comes to inheritance things, right? Right? Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns, And build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. Now, so much in me just wants to close this book right now and go, yeah, says that in the Bible, right? That's what we're after. That's the dream, right? That's the dream. That's the dream in my heart on a lot of days. I used to actually say this, right? I don't want to be rich. I just don't want to have to think about money, right? I just want to relax. That's kind of the definition of being rich, by the way. Like, you don't have to think about all of this. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Tough words. We're going to revisit those in just a few minutes. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, because of what I, just, what I just said, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Or how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, one of the greatest kings to ever live, one of the richest men to ever live, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, don't seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that did not grow old with a treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a whole lot in there, right? And what Jesus seems to be saying here is there's there's a foolish way, and there's a fulfilling way. There's a way to live the dream, and there's a way to be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. And I want to be a dreamer in this area. Dreamers realize a few key things. Dreamers have a few things that others don't. And the first one is this, to be a dreamer. If you're a dreamer in this area, dreamers have a bigger perspective on this stuff. I want to reread Luke chapter 12, verse 19 to, for you, where Jesus says, "I will, or no, the, uh, the rich man says to himself, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. From the time that we're kids, there's this this phrase that just comes out of us naturally, right? I hear it a whole lot at my house. In fact, every single day. Yesterday morning, I heard it, and it's this one simple phrase. I want a lot. I want a lot. It doesn't matter what it is. Some of you are like, what do you want a lot of? Doesn't matter. I want a lot. I want a lot of it. It could be chocolate chips. Could be bacon bits, Cheerios, strawberries, rocks, believe it or not, yes. I want a lot of rocks, has been said in my home. I want a lot. It doesn't matter what it is. We as people, we want a lot. My children have an eagle eye for the largest piece of anything. I don't even know how they do the Like, Forget about geometry, right? My, My daughter can look at brownies and go, that's the biggest piece. Right there, that's the one I want. We can do this as people. We grab, we collect, we hold on to, and we even hoard. And so to illustrate this point and just how very, very talented um, my children are, I invited one of them here this morning. Joshua, do you want to come up, my buddy? Come on up, dude. This is my boy, Josh. He's the better dressed of the two. And he's going he's gonna to do a little illustration uh, for us right now. Uh, now, I think that we have, we got a table along with some coins that are coming out here, because we're going to illustrate this. Now, do you like to have a lot of things, Josh? Yeah. Yeah? What do you like to have the most of? Transformers. Transformers. Yeah? What about money? Do you ha- like to have a lot of money? Yeah. Why? Because I like to buy stuff. I like to buy stuff, too. Now, um, we have some money right, laid right out here on this table, okay? Um, this is, we've counting. got... Oh, you're counting it? Don't count it yet, all right? Uh, so we've got, look at all this, there's a big pile, I don't know if you can see this, there's a big pile of pennies, these are pretty big pennies too, uh, right here, alright? Oh, way to go, coughing right into there, into that sleeve. And then we also have, one, three, we, three, four, he's doing some counting, we also have these dimes, right? Now there's, how many dimes would you say there are? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten dimes, right? And Oh, man, do you think that there's more than 10 pennies here? One hundred. At least a hundred, right? Uh, well, there's a few more dimes than this, but that's... Which, which of these piles, if you could only have one pile, Joshua, which of these piles would you want? Would you want 20 dimes or a hundred pennies? A hundred. hundred? Are you sure? Why do you want a hundred pennies and not 20 dimes? Because a hundred is more. Because a hundred is more, and we want to have more, Right. Well, well, done. You illustrated the point very, very well. Everybody, give it up for Josh, all right? We'll, we'll discuss this later on. All right? <laughs> you can go with, with moment. All right. 100 pennies, right? 20 dimes. Now, when it comes to kids, right, we can see the error of that choice. But when it comes to us, it's a little bit more difficult to see, isn't it? It's no different as, as, as adults. Every single one of us naturally desires and grabs at what looks like more, even if it's actually worth less. We're people that love to have more. We want a lot, even if it's actually worth less. Listen to what Jesus says to this man who said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to store up. I'm going I'm to enjoy Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus says, Take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Life is not about more. Real life, good life, full life is not about having, finding, grabbing, holding on to more. It's about something more. The truth is that value has nothing to do with amount. Say that again. Value has absolutely nothing to do with amount. In fact, the exact opposite is often true, isn't it? The more people have something, the less valuable it is. Just ask me again about my baseball cards, right? So many baseball cards. They're actually worth nothing. It doesn't matter how many of them I have. They're all worth zero. Thank you. Thank you for that, 90s. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Lots of people. Lots of people have money. A lot of them. Why does it seem like so few people are satisfied? Why does it seem like so few people are actually fulfilled? Why does it seem like the more we often get, in the words of Notorious B.I.G., the more problems we have in this life? If life is truly about more, if value is found in amount then those two things should go together. But in fact, the opposite is true, right? Value and amount have absolutely nothing to do together with with one another. And in fact, the, the opposite is true. Investing in a dream requires an exchange. It requires us to view things, money, possessions from a bigger perspective. To take something that we have in a greater amount and exchange it for something that's actually a greater value. Because amount doesn't have to do with value. Here's the second thing that dreamers have. Dreamers have a bigger perspective, but dreamers also have a different purpose when it comes to money and possessions. In Luke 12, verse 20 and 21, it says this, but God says to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I want to ask a question here, right? Because we can get so caught up in in the middle of all this that we miss the point of this. What was wrong here? Do you want to know what was actually foolish about this man, about this story? It's not what we may think at first glance. Because when I read this, it's easy to walk away and go, Oh yeah, the rich dude, he was messed up. You know, like he's he's the one that wanted more stuff. It's bad to have more stuff. And that's actually not what I see here at all. The problem is not having or even pursuing wealth, money, and possessions. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's not the stuff that is the issue. It's the price tag. It's the cost of the stuff. We often end up thinking, especially when we read verses like this in the Bible, that Jesus is anti-rich. God just wants me to be poor, right? I, I'm going to have to eat bread and water because I'm a Christian. I can't have nice stuff. I can't go on nice vacations. No, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. The problem is not being rich. The problem is who we're rich toward. The problem's not being rich. The problem is who we're rich toward. Now, I deal with this, again, with my children all the time. My, my kids will come up and ask me for things, things that are not good or bad, things like tape, things like Sharpies, things like scissors, okay? These are, these are okay things to have. Do you know what I always ask them every single time they ask me that? What do you want that for, right? What do you want that for? Because tape is good. Sharpies, very good. Scissors can be good in the hands of of an adult, okay? It can be very destructive in the wrong hands. I always want to know, what do you want that for? Another thing that came to mind as I was thinking about this this week is Mike, who, by the way, Mike Nank is one of our pastors here at the church. It was his birthday this past week. (laughs) We love that guy. And if you ask anybody, Mike has made an incredible difference in in the lives of so many people, and I believe it comes back to this. What's it for? Mike sees his life and everything that he has as for something. He's got a truck out there that we were just talking about this past week. Now, I want a truck. I want a truck very, very badly. And to Mike, though, Mike's got a truck, and he's like, yeah, well, I don't have it for the gas mileage. Mike lets just about anybody use it. In fact, if you... I don't want to speak for him, but if you want to take it for a joyride, you know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, Mike. Um, but his, his whole posture on having a truck is so that it can be used, so that he can, he can bless other people with it, so that he can move the kingdom forward. I love that about him. Sometimes whether or not we have has everything to do with what we're going to do with it, Right? Sometimes whether or not we have stuff has everything to do with our our intended purpose behind it because dreamers have a different purpose. But not only that, not only does sometimes whether or not we have have something to do with what we're going to do with it, other times, whether or not we have has something to do with what we're hoping it will do for us. There's what we're going to do and what we're hoping it is going to do. Yesterday morning, man, I'm just picking on the kids today. Yesterday morning, um, it's Saturday morning, and I like to sleep in just a, just a little bit. Okay, I mean, we're not talking about anything crazy here, kids. But my kids, one of their purposes in life is to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay, <laughs> weekdays, they they do not want to get out of bed at all. Saturday, just, well, it, it's, it's like they it's like they can sense the first ray of sunshine. Okay, they're up out of bed, so. We've come up with strategies at our house to, to stay in bed, all right? To strategies. So uh, one of these strategies is to have Cheerios and fruit available while they watch the babysitter in the living room, <laughs> right? <laughs> so go, you know, go and enjoy, right? Now, Joshua has his Cheerios. He has his apple. He has a second apple. You know, I, I'm like, I'm calling in reinforcements now. They have a second apple. And then I walk out there. And he is into biting into his third apple. Three, yeah, oh my, right. Um, And meanwhile, Nora's seeing this, and she's like, "I want more. I want a lot because that's what our kids do, right? That's what people do." So, third apple. I look at 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 Josh, and this is one of these like just moments where God is speaking. You know that? Oh, wait a minute. You're not actually talking to him. You're talking to you. Um, I looked at my son son and I said, "Josh, we don't. We eat." to fill our stomachs, not our hearts. That was for me, right there. <laughs> like, all right, God, you, you know. But what, what are we hoping that stuff is going to do for us, right? Sometimes we're, we're, we're using this one good thing, hoping that it's not just going to fill our stomachs, but it's going to fill our hearts. We don't want to just eat to be full. We want to eat to fulfill something in our hearts and it seems like money and possessions always promise that but never ever deliver we all believe that we'll be satisfied when we're rich and most of us have this number in our heads that if we get there then then we'll be satisfied truth is we've said it before rich people are rarely satisfied in fact very few people even see themselves as rich I was reading a study an article on CNN Money in preparation for this message, this was what it says, a whopping 70% of those with at least $1 million in assets that are invested or available to invest, excluding home values, excluding home values, don't consider themselves to be wealthy. 70%, those with at least a $1 million of assets, don't consider themselves to be wealthy, according to a survey of 4,500 affluent investors by the UBS. Rather, it's only when they hit the $5 million mark that millionaires begin to feel wealthy. I'd like to have a million dollars, right? But it seems, yeah, I'm not alone. It seems like when you get there, somehow that's not enough. And I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, says, and say that when they got to $5 million, that probably wouldn't be enough either. The stuff in money is like an appetite, and appetites are never fully or finally satisfied. In fact, when you feed an appetite, what happens to it? It grows. It gets stronger. You want more, right? Man, have I found that to be true. I I feed that thing and it just gets stronger. It doesn't go away in my life. It grows. If you starve it, it shrinks. Our natural purpose in life is self-fulfillment. But dreamers, dreamers have a different purpose. Our natural perspective is to have more. Dreamers have a bigger perspective. I want to go back to Luke 12, verse 21 here to talk about that bigger perspective. Again, it says it is... That's Luke 13. Luke 12, 21, it says, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What happens? This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose... Will they be? I love that word, whose. It's not where will they be. It's whose will they be. You know whose they are? They're God's. Every single penny, everything that we could have here on this earth belongs to God. And he's gently reminding us here, hey, whose is that anyway? Whose is that? That's the bigger perspective. A bigger perspective comes from going, you know what, whose is this? When we're not here, we, we get entrusted with stuff. We get entrusted with somebody else's money, God's money. And when we're not here, whose will they be? When we're gone, God's going to entrust them to somebody else. On to the next one. On to the next one. This, this truth right here, it doesn't feel big, but this is what actually should empower us to be dreamers. This truth. Because we're, we're only able to not find fulfillment in stuff and invest generously give, give away what we have in order to accomplish God's dreams when we actually know this principle that God God is the owner of all things he owns cattle on a thousand hills I actually think of that sometimes like when, when I've been driving and especially in the mountains like I love, I love the mountains I would love to have a place there with just like cattle everywhere I don't know what I would do with the cows I just want to see them you know and I actually came to a point where I was like, God, I want that. And I felt like God reminded me, He's like, They're yours. You're you're doing you're doing what you would do with them. Look away. Because we've got we've got a dad a, a dad that just, he's got the stuff, and it's our, He entrusts it to us. But we st- we seem to ask of our, our, our father this incredibly affluent, good father. But what about me, right? You've got everything. Who's going to take care of my needs, right? This fear. Anytime I start talking about these words, you know, investment, generosity, giving, right? There's fear that comes up in my heart because why? Like, yeah, but what about me? What about my dreams? What about, forget dreams, what about my needs? Who's going to take care of those things? Who's going to take care of me? Which leads us to the third point. Dreamers have something else. They don't just have a bigger perspective and a different purpose. They're enabled because, Dreamers know that we have a loving provider. We have a loving provider. When I think about my kids laying in their bed at night, and I know every, everyone here today in a room this size, we're coming from so many different backgrounds, so many different financial positions here, right? But one thing that unites all of us is that especially if we're parents, you want to take care of your kids. There's like the, the image of a child. Laying in bed at night, going to school hungry, laying in bed at night wondering about whether or not they're going to have a place to stay or clothes to put on their back, that breaks all of our hearts. Even if you're not a parent, there's something in you that goes, no, provide for them. Make sure they're okay. I know, as, as a dad, I, I, I would go without so much if it meant that my kids had what they needed. And here's the truth. Time and time and time again, all throughout the pages of Scripture, we are reminded that we have a Father in heaven who is a good Father. And specifically, if we who are evil, the Bible says, our goodness even, that desire to take care of of our kids, is evil compared to the desire and goodness of God and his desire to take care of every single one of us. How much more, the Bible says, will your Father in heaven take care of you? We have a loving provider, a loving Father who takes care of us, who wants to. You don't have to bend his arm. It's who he is. It's in his nature. There's nothing that he wouldn't do. There's nothing that he would stop at to love you, to provide for you, to take care of you of you. Listen to what our good dad has to say to his kids on this in Luke 12, verse 22 to 30. We've already read a whole lot of this, but in, in verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and clothes. I feel like Jesus is saying that to me as a good dad. Like, hey Dave, remember, you're worried. You've got anxiety, but you're, you're, you're chasing the red herrings. Life is about more than that stuff. verse 24, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds? That's not, that's not just in my Bible because I'm a pastor, right? That's in yours too. How much more value are you? How much more value is the person that has little to nothing? How much more value is the person that's living in a third world country to God than these, people, these, these ravens that God takes care of, you are valuable. There is, this, there is a certain irony to the experience of parents whose children will scream, you don't love me, you don't want good things for me, you just want to ruin my life, right? Are, are you kidding? You're here because I love you. You're here because I'm taking care of you. There is nothing I wouldn't do to continue that. That is the heart of a good, loving provider for all of us his children Verse 25, Jesus goes on. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? This is efficient Jesus coming out, right? And saying, what are you really doing here, right? We spend so much time, we lie awake in bed at night, thinking, pondering, worrying about things that we have absolutely no control over. The vast majority of things that we spend all of our time worrying about never happen in the first place. That's what worry is. Worry is is taking something that hasn't even happened yet. Something that you don't have any control over and trying to control it. That's worry. Jesus says, what are you doing? Why are you worrying about this? It doesn't help. Verse 27, he goes on. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Do you know that God's provision is actually a whole lot better than yours anyway? It really is. There's been so many times where I have gone out and tried to make something happen on my own only to wait and see God's provision was so much better. If you need proof of this, uh, just, just look back at, uh, at the people that you dated in high school, maybe, right? Now, just remember that you're on somebody's photo, too. Somebody's thinking about you right now, too, you know? But we, we also, we get in this mindset of, like, I, I got to make it happen, I'm going to do this, right? When God is going, no, 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 I'm, I'm a provider, and I love you, and God's provision is so much better than ours in the first place. And then close it up in verse 30. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. All the nations of the world seek after these things. There's something that my kids say that it seems like all of humanity seems to say, right? Everyone else is doing it but everyone else has one. You'd be amazed at how many second graders in my, in my daughter's school seem to have iPads and iWatches and, and things like that. The answer is not as many as she thinks, right? <laughs> as, just ask her. Everybody has one. Everybody's going after this stuff, right? God, our, our loving Father who provides for us says, you, don't, you know you don't have to do what everyone else is doing, Right? You don't have to, like, worry and toil and go after this stuff and chase after every red herring in life. You don't have to look. Your life doesn't have to look the way that everyone else's does. You don't have to live the way that everyone else is living. You don't have to spend your days full of fear and anxiety and worry just wondering where the next thing is going to come from. That's what everybody does. You don't have to. I don't have to. We don't have to because we have a loving provider, dreamers. I think about something like FPU that's starting today, right after service. If you've been thinking about it, it's not too late. You can go and jump in that. It's Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and if there's one phrase that defines this whole thing, it's this. Dave Ramsey says, I want you to live like no one else so that later on you can live and give like no one else. But it requires that first step, right? I, no, I'm, I'm not going to live like everybody else is. I'm not going to chase after the same things. I'm going to pursue something even better. I want to be a dreamer. I don't want to be the fool. If God has everything though, right? That some of this is like, well, man, you're making this sound easy, Dave. If God's got everything, if God loves me so much, why don't I have everything? I don't feel okay. I don't feel so provided for. Sometimes my kids come up to, up to me and, and, and they want stuff, right? And there's a really, really simple way um, to, to say no uh, it's, it's, we don't have money for that, okay? But, uh, it's not actually true because, yes, exactly, right? Now we're getting to the point where our kids are like, well, I've got money, <laughs> right? Listen, just, just pull out that plastic thing, right? You know, like go to the ATM, do something. Like it's, so it's not just that we don't have money. It's not quite that... Truthful, but some of us are, are operating out. Man, if God has everything, I want everything. What, why is God saying no to this? Right? We say we don't have money for that, but that's not true. It insinuates that if we did have money, oh, oh sorry, we would buy it. That's not true. Sorry, sorry, five below. <laughs> not gonna play be the fool this time. Place is a death trap, man. Here's here's the truth. Here's what I want to be saying to my kids and myself. It's not just, oh, we don't have money for that. We don't have money for that. It's this. The truth is, we are choosing to say yes to something else. We're not just saying no. We're choosing to say yes to something else. Something more valuable. Something more worth it. And if we're going to say yes to the most valuable things, we have to choose to say no to the less valuable things. I say that to my kids all the time. Here's again, man. I feel like I need to say it to me today It's not that we don't have It's not that God doesn't have But we're choosing to say yes to the most valuable things And that's what dreamers do Dreamers have a kingdom priority Yes, we have a loving provider But we have a kingdom priority Does that mean that we can just go about our days Spending our money And hey, I got a loving provider Sugar daddy in the sky Right? (laughs) God's got this right? Just pull out the Holy Spirit checkbook. that, That doesn't mean that we just spend our money and God will take care of us. No, actually, there is a relationship, what I'm seeing here, between how we live, how we give, and how we live, and how God gives. There's a relationship between the two. Part of loving God, part of trusting Him, part of seeking after God is actually not worrying, but seeking Again, in Luke 12, verse 31, there's that word where where Jesus says, instead, instead of living like everybody else does, instead of worrying, right, instead, seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. And these things, all the stuff that we were talking about, those things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about that. Instead, seek his kingdom. Dreamers have a kingdom priority. Seek first, I, I, I think that it's, really as simple as defining it this way. where it means to seek God's kingdom first? It means to choose it first. Put it first. Make it a priority. And even then, I, I misspoke, because there's no such thing as a priority. Priority means the first thing. Choose to make God's kingdom the first thing. And, and believe me, God is saying. Even elsewhere in the Bible, he says, test me. Believe me test me. You put my kingdom first. You choose to seek first my kingdom. You make it the priority, just watch. All these other things are going to be added to you. You don't have to live a life of worry. You get to live a life of joy. You get to live a life of impact. You get to live a life of seeing God at work through you instead. That's the kind of, I want to be a dreamer. I don't want to be the fool that worries and grabs and tries to hold on. No, I want to give away and see God work, and see His the joy just fill me. That says, "See you, you seek me first. You put me first. You choose me first. Just watch. I got the rest. This, just you, just hand Daddy God the bill for everything else, right? You put me first. There's this story. It's a pretty famous one in Mark chapter twelve, verse forty-one to forty-four, and it's about this this elderly lady that has almost nothing, right? But she becomes the model of generosity for Jesus as he points her out to all of his followers. Picking up in uh, chapter chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus sits down opposite the treasury and watches the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. We typically think of that as the definition of generosity, right? Large sums of money. But a poor widow came in and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he calls his disciples over. Get that, Jesus, God is sitting there at the treasury, watching lots of people putting in lots of money, and one woman comes by and puts in just a little bit. And God Himself goes, "Hey, everybody, get over here! You have to see this. You got to see this." He calls his disciples to him and says, "Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. More." Why? Because it wasn't about amount, it was about value. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. That phrase right there, all she had to live on. Usually, when it comes to seeking God's kingdom first, many times we'll approach it the way that I had for many, many years before I started to really take this seriously. And that is putting in all I had left. Instead of all I have to live on, I put in all I had left. It wasn't the priority. God and his kingdom, it was, well, it's a priority, God. And I felt pretty good about that. But Jesus is saying, man, what moves my heart is to see people trust me in this way. It has nothing to do with the amount. So many times, right, we say, oh, I want to be generous, but I I can't afford to right now. Jesus is saying, no, when you put me first, it doesn't matter what that looks like. I honor that. I love that. It moves my heart. You have a kingdom priority. All she had, not all she had left. There was this heart posture that says, God, you are my first bill. And it's one that I can't wait to pay. It's one that I just want to keep on reaping I just want to keep on investing in that. Second Corinthians puts it this way. In chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Remember when I said there's this relationship, right? Remember when I said that it wasn't the fact that the rich man had stuff. No, he he was rich, but he was not rich towards God. There's this relationship. The point is this. Sow sparingly, you also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's a hard place to be, to trust. All right, this is what I got, and it's hard. I'm gonna sow bountifully. Sow means let go of. Like, put it to use. I've got these seeds but they're not going to do anything until I let go of them and let them go and do their thing they're going to land in soil hopefully it's going to take root, sometimes it doesn't I don't know, but I'm going I'm to let go, I'm going to sow bountifully, it means a lot but then what comes back, right? You, you plant one one tomato plant you get one tomato plants worth you plant a lot of tomato plants you get a lot of tomato plants worth, right? this is the principle that's at play here Point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That phrase, though, right? Each one must give as he's made up in his mind, not as circumstances allow, as is what is often tempting for me. Not, not anything else but it's what you've already made up. It's predetermined. There's a pastor in Georgia, his name is Andy Stanley. I love the way that he defines this principle. He says generosity is a premeditated. Premeditated means you decide beforehand, right? You don't have to like get there emotionally or see how things play out. You premeditate it. Decide beforehand. As each one decides in his own mind. calculated. it. Calculated means you actually ran numbers, right? All right, this, this is how much. You've designated an amount. You've premeditated, calculated, designated. It's not for something else. It's for this. This is the priority piece, right? This is what it's going for. God, his kingdom, his work, his dreams. It's desica- Designated emancipation of personal assets. I love that last part. Emancipation of personal assets. Any other time you are held on to, is that freedom? No. When we let go, we say, go and do your thing, money. Go do your thing, stuff. That is an em- emancipation. It's going, freedom here. Let's see what God will do when we set our money and our possessions free instead of holding them on and often holding them back from accomplishing God's dreams in the world. I want to take a moment to explain something to you that's probably uh, was, was put on every single one of your, uh, your chairs when you came in. And it's this, last week we gave you this pamphlet, it's, a, it's called a Dreams pamphlet, and there's this 5G thing, and we're explaining just some of the things man, like, that we feel like God is leading us into as a church, and we want to challenge every single person to take a step into God's dreams for your life as part of that. And inside of that today, there is also a commitment card, it's called the Debt-Free Generosity Pledge. And I want to explain a little bit about what we're doing as part of this Dreams series. Um... Do y'all love coming to, to church today? Maybe I should have asked that before, right? right. <laughs> All right, we, God has given us a lot here at Paradox. Like, I, I walk around this building sometimes, and I'm like, man, it's amazing to see the life change that's happening inside of these doors through the people that have dedicated their lives to being here, to doing God's work. And, All of you who just generously, like, you step up and you volunteer. Volunteers here at Paradox are second to none. Second to none. Like, you guys are amazing. And it amazes me to continually see what God is doing through that. But we talked about investment, right? And every dream needing investment. In order to get here in the first place, a few years back, Paradox Church needed to take out very, very good, by the way, loans. Loans. Um, these are interest free loans by the, by the grace of God, all right? Miraculously getting into and being able to fix up this place in order to do God's dreams here in Warren. Over the years, that was about $250,000 that was taken out. Over the years, Paradox has been very faithful going after God's dream and paying this debt down. To the tune of now we're looking at about $50,000 left. That's amazing. It's amazing. And on top of that, we've been we've been running numbers, we've gone back to our landlord here, and our landlord has been fantastic. Because again, almost miraculously, the amount of money that has been just wiped away from what we pay here is just mind-boggling amounts. I'm not the money guy. You can talk to Tim or Greg or something about this anyway. But seriously, like God is in what we're doing here. God's provision is here and He's making it possible. But now here, here we stand. 2020, if we're able to raise about $50,000 over and above the normal what we, what we give, we'll be debt-free in 2020. Yeah. I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the things that holds us back like almost nothing else from accomplishing our dreams in life is debt. And we want to be people that are able to say yes to everything that God calls us to do here. We don't want to be held back by debt. We want to walk fully, freely, emancipating. We we want to give this away. So that's why we're coming and asking you, hey, what do you think, paradox? What if we went after this debt, nailed it down once and for all, and in 2020, we're able to say, yep, there's nothing holding us back from anything that God might ask us to do in the future, from going after that hard and fully with every single bit of our giving. We don't want it to go here into a building. We want to go into something else into something even greater. We want to be able to do ministry outside of these walls, to give it away to missions. We want to be able to build things like a home, a shelter for women that maybe are coming out of the sex trafficking industry. We want to be able to do that. We want to be able to launch missionaries all over the world to see people being made disciples and having groups every single area throughout the metro Detroit region. That's what we want to see. We want to see salvations happening on a weekly basis, people's lives being changed. I would love to see multiple Paradox campuses all throughout this this region, right? And by the way, yes, they're called Paradox. I know that there's some hesitancy here because of what we've all been through together uh, over the course of the last year. I want to say we have this incredible opportunity to be part of a larger group of churches called Antioch, but that doesn't take away one iota from the fact that we are who we are. Our identity is paradox, that's not changing. We're really proud of it and really excited about it. So that's where we're going, like, come on. Let's not be held back by the past anymore. Let's not continue to be messed up with distraction. Let's get it together, come together, and move forward into the future of what God is calling us into and the dreams he has for us and Warren and the world. That's what this is about. $50,000, $50,000, this is nothing. This is nothing for God. I even I did the math, right? I did the calculated thing. $50,000, if there's 200 people in here, which easily, easily there are, if every single person gave $5 a week. That's nothing. Right, that, that, that's nothing. Thanks, somebody's excited about it. $5 a week more. We would be there. It's $20 a month. That's $250 in the year. And again, like, I, I just want to be really, really clear. One of the things that we're asking on this 5G commitment card, right? I don't know where it went. It's gone. <laughs> we're also hoping that we each take a step forward in this area of giving too, right? We want to take a step forward because the, the truth is, if we're able to knock down this debt and at the same time, our regular giving goes up by about the same amount, we will walk into 2021 in a very healthy place. A very help, primed to step into all that God has for us. And so that's why we're saying, hey, like, we just want to be real with you all. We can talk dreams all day long, but let's. Sometimes the, the rubber needs to hit the road. Like, this is what we're looking at. It is so well within reach, but it takes all of us because all of us can dether, together can do something so much more, so much greater than any of us can on our own. So, are you up for it? Are you willing to come together and say, yeah, we're after this? That's what we're after. I'm going to invite the band for, uh, to, to come up as I just get into this last, our, our final few moments here. Um, we're going to invite you to take those commitment cards with you. We don't want this to be an emotional response, okay? So take those things with you. Pray about them. Decide together over the course of the next week and bring them back here next week. We're gonna have a sp- You're going to want to be here. Don't miss it. We're going to come together as a church and put those things up on this string that I'm going to come and get right now. Um, we're going to see how this works. Because the fifth thing that every single dreamer has is this, uh, this heavenly pension. Yeah, heavenly pension and heart passion. Oh, hopefully, it's, I think it's going to... I'm going to Clark Griswold it. All right, All right. It's coming. And what that means is that we're people that view our lives in light of eternity, not the here and now, but in light of eternity. A heavenly... Pension and a heart passion. A lot of times we say, man, I just want to give toward where my heart is. But the crazy cool thing about this is that Jesus says in these final parts of Luke chapter 12, says this. I can find it. There it is. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heaven that does not fail. You invest in a stock market, some days you're gonna have 3,000 point turnouts. You invest in heaven, that is a heavenly pension that does not grow old, that does not fail. It is an investment that makes a difference and ripples, not just here and Warren and the world, but into eternity. The pages of eternity are different for you and for generations to follow you because of the investment that we make here on earth. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Usually we do it the opposite way, right? Where my heart is, there my treasure will be. Jesus is saying, no, actually, when you do this, when you put my kingdom first, you find that your heart comes alive and you start to care more about the things that I care about. Your heart starts to break for the things that break my heart and you find joy welling up. You're invested personally in God's dreams and his wins become your wins. And he's, let me tell you, He's blessing his dreams. God's purposes are, being, are they're going to be accomplished here. I want to be a dreamer with him. I want to be a part of that. And as we do, we actually find that, that heart passion, that heavenly pension, God is able to do something so much greater than anything of our dreams. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us, that's what God does when we're on mission together. When we take our life that just looked at on its own can seem big sometimes, important, valuable, and we want to invest in this, but then we turn around and we look at what God is doing throughout all of history, in eternity. Suddenly, this becomes pretty small. But when we make that investment, we go, no, I'm, I'm going to live in light of eternity. I'm going to choose to see my money, my possessions, my very life as one very small part in what God is doing in all of history suddenly though it becomes so much more valuable because it's not about the amount it's about the value as the band comes forward um, we're going to sing a song here together it's called yes and amen and especially when we're talking about things like this it can be scary right just to look at God's promises which are are for the future and go well if I take that step what's going to happen is what's going to happen God's promises are yes, not maybe. When he says, watch, you don't worry about this stuff and I'll take care of you, you're taken care of. When he says that there's joy, when it's better to give than it is to receive, God's promises, it's yes, it's not a maybe. You don't be, you're, you don't stand on the other side going, man, I sure am sorry, no, it's yes. And amen means done. Even though you're at the beginning, it's done. It's like you're at the end of it already believe that as we follow God, as as Jesus leads us into his dreams, his dreams for us, his promises to us and for us are yes and amen. And so I want to invite you all to stand. Let's sing that together as an act of declaration that God goes before us, dreams his dreams through us, and his promises are yes and amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.